0: Welcome back, mighty Vandals, to Tubbs of the Club, the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dallas Hammer, joined today by brave, bold, Brian Marceau. Yo, know, Dallas, it is always good
1: to be here to talk Big Sky football, to talk uh, Idaho football some, so uh, I'm glad to be here to close the book, man.
0: Well, and Brian buried the lead on us here. That What we're actually talking about today is the biggest news in sports, Former first overall pick Baker Mayfield, now a member of the Los Angeles Rams. Brian, your immediate reaction? You know, I have
1: been wondering which Rams quarterback to not start on my fantasy team, mostly because, look, we have 10 live viewers now. All live viewers come to hear us talk fantasy football. That's the point of the show, and they don't want fantasy advice. They want us to relay the narrative of our fantasy games. That's what I'm here
0: for. So maybe Baker Mayfield doesn't start for me this week again. That's no, that's probably the right answer. Honestly, um the Rams are basically trotting on a junior college team on the offense. So there's your fantasy football recap, guys. Stay away from the Rams. We're just going to jump right in. Not really, because we've already been fucking around here. This is Around the Bar, brought to us by Hughes River Expeditions, one of our two favorite sponsors on the show, but we will discuss that in a little bit. Today is a day I think all of us were dreading, but it's it's time. It's time to recap the 2022 Vandal football season, which means that we officially have to admit that football season is over, which sucks. All right. Idaho Vandals. Last year, 2021, Paul Petrino goes four and seven, three and five in conference, gets fired after beating Portland State, Southern Utah, Idaho State, and getting boat raced by a bunch of other schools. In comes Jason Eck. First year of the program, he goes seven and five, six and two in the Big Sky Conference. Uh, Started off with losses to Power 5, Wazoo, and Indiana. Then promptly beat uh, Drake, NAU, UNC, Montana, and Portland State. They lost to Sac State, beat Eastern, lost to UC Davis, beat ISU, and then lost in the first round against Southeastern Louisiana. Brian, open-ended question. What are your thoughts on the 2022 Vandal Football season?
1: and I'm going to I'm going to start kind of global on here we're, we're going to drill down to some of the individual individual groups individual facets, facets of the season by the way for our live listeners uh, this is going to be a little bit more of like just a discussion that we're having in public so any topic that we bring up guys please throw in your takes here because uh, they will certainly be appreciated this time uh, cuz this i mean really this we're closing the book on 2022 football. This is the last time that 2022 football is going to be the, the singular focal point of the show. And Dallas, this is the first time since Tubbs at the Club was founded uh, in 2018. I, I joined on in 20, 2019, I believe, uh, during the basketball season, the 2018-19 basketball season. This is the first season we've had men's basketball or football where there's honestly a little melancholy when talking about the fact that the season ended, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I I had that experience with our last episode where we had Jason Eck on. I had the experience with our final reaction to Idaho losing 45, 42 to Southeastern Louisiana, where it's, it's hard to to see the season gone. You know, there's been, there's been so much frustration in Vandal football and basketball uh, for quite a while that, you know, one, one of the stories that I have is, sitting down at a bar in Missoula after the Idaho beats Montana, talking with some of the Montana journalists that we've become friendly with through the show and bringing up. I forgot that there are some people who just, they unironically watch their team and they just have fun. And the team doesn't have to go 11 and zero for that to be the experience. But you know, for people like in Montana, Montana state, like that's their experience as fans. My, my big takeaway is this was such a, this was such a fun season. Um, this was a season i i didn't want to end i was sad about the loss uh this was a season that i planned we already had a show so we we plan a lot of our time around idaho football i planned a lot more time around idaho football this season so the big picture is it feels so nice to have something working well to have coaching staff that we like to have players uh, perf- a lot of a lot of players performing at a level that we were hoping they would it feels. I mean, we're going to talk Idaho Vandals who made all-conference team this year. A lot of them are returning. A, a lot of guys who made, especially made the second team as well, that were standouts throughout at different moments of the season. Uh, guys who were, you know, probably going to talk about his favorites, different position groups. So, I mean, my first reaction is, hey, guys, we're we're on the other we're on the other side now. This is we get we get to now look at the. Tw- the 2023 season approaching that will, you know, follow recruits will follow spring football, but not, it's not the the hope that things have changed where we suspend disbelief. It's now anticipation Dallas of what happens next. And when was the last time Vandals got the field that way?
0: I mean, obviously there's 99, 2009 and 2016. And outside of that, there's not a.
1: Hey, Hey, let me ask you though. Uh, sorry, not not trying to filibuster, but like you referenced twenty sixteen. Did you feel that way at the end of twenty sixteen? I feel no. way better this year than at the end of twenty sixteen.
0: Uh, yes. What I was I was going to mention that you know twenty sixteen they didn't beat any teams with a winning record. Um, they did not have like a defining Montana like victory like we did this year. With it. I mean I think a lot of people are going to remember that Montana victory for decades. Um, getting the little brown Stein back and in the way they did it. I mean, obviously Brian, you were there. You're pointing for anybody that's not listening live. Uh, like this this team is going to go up along the along the best in Vandal history Um I mean again you you talk 98 2009 and 2016 is the, the best teams in Vandal modern history realistically if you call it from the turn of the century or the two years they're tacked on at the end this team is right up there with them and I'm going to probably remember them better and more fondly just because of how much fun it was Uh this this is sad, Brian. Like, uh, like this is this is legitimately like crushing me a little bit. Just thinking about like I'm looking at the all conference list and all the guys that, and we're gonna we're gonna make sure to call out every single guy here because hats off to all those guys that made co- all conference teams. But it is it is sad to realize like this is over. Like we hope that next year is going to just be a carryover of this and year two of the Eck era and three and four and five and beyond that we get into that. I would love to be in that. Hey, if you, if the team doesn't go eleven and zero, you're you're like frustrated and disappointed, and you think things went wrong. I would love to be in that spot. I would love to be in the spot Montana is. They win a playoff game, and still half of their their fan base thinks that they need to fire their head coach to save their program. Like, I would love that level of success. We're obviously not there. I'm just trying to really soak it in here. Um, the guys, this was one of the best seasons we we've seen in a very long time. We hope that there's more to come. But you also got to appreciate this while it's here. And it still stinks that they lost in the first round when we thought maybe they could even get all the way to the third. But it is what it is. To bring this back on track, let's go over the all-conference teams real quick, Brian. First team all-conference, pretty straightforward. Hayden Hatton and Jermaine Jackson, I would argue the two most important players on the team last year. uh, Or this year, I guess, technically. Uh, Jermaine Jackson made it actually twice uh, as a punt return and receiver. Uh, Second team, uh, Anthony Woods at the running back position, Giuliano Falanico, defensive end, outside linebacker Paul Mawala, inside linebacker Favai Favai, cornerback Marcus Harris, and kicker Ricardo Chavez. The third team, quarterback Giovanni McCoy, center Logan Floyd, defensive back Tommy McCormick, special teamer Sean McCormick, and then honorable mentions uh, offensive lineman Bo St. John and Aiden Kanapik, or Kanapik, I'm sorry, I have no idea how that's pronounced and I'm uh, terrible. Uh, and then also defensive and Lito Tamba. So a whole lot more guys making the All Conference team in year one of the EC era than we have seen in in quite a few years, Brian.
1: Well, I mean that that hits one of the one of the things I want to talk about is biggest surprises of the season, Dallas. And yeah, I want to talk about Giovanni McCoy as, as far as a surprise this year. Because that's not to say that people didn't have faith that McCoy could be a good player. But, you know, if you remember Dallas and some of our listeners are going to remember when we covered the spring season or the spring camp. Sorry about that. Uh, We covered the spring camp, uh, you know, culminating in the spring game. Idaho offensively looked like a dumpster fire in the spring game. The Giovanni McCoy had risen to, according to Luke Schleisner on our show, uh, just slightly above C.J. Jordan. But now not Luke Schleisner's words. That was more a battle of attrition as in the defense was like defensively, Idaho was looking great offensively. There was a lot of ground to make up. And that's a, you know, that was a reasonable place for us to be with, you know, a new, new coach, new scheme coming that that defense picks up a little bit faster than the offense. But um, look, Giovanni McCoy wasn't announced as a starter until before just for the WS, WSU game, you know, week of the WSU game is when we, we were told he was going to be starting but that was not formally announced. He just came out there as the starting quarterback against WSU. And relative to a guy who took that long to truly separate as the starter, McCoy's third-team all-conference. McCoy was a guy who, in a down year for Big Sky quarterbacks overall, as in, you know, like, came Montana had, you know, dog shit at their quarterback. Jake Dunaway, who made third-team all-Big Sky. Absolute bullshit. Jake Dunaway should not have made third-team all-Big Sky. Giovanni McCoy was good. And as a redshirt freshman, you know, phase one, he didn't really turn the ball over much. And that's one of the first, you know, first expectations of a starting freshman quarterback is hey, they might, might look well, look good, but they're probably going to turn the ball over a few times. Wasn't the case. Uh, Jason Eck and Co. did a good job of keeping McCoy out of third and long, did a good job of also, you know, calling the type of pass plays, t- calling the type of game where McCoy was in position to succeed. But to McCoy's credit, the dude looked at times like the best quarterback in the conference. He finished 13 all big sky. Um, probably the best deep ball thrower in the conference for sure. Uh doesn't mean he's the best quarterback, but that's one of the things Idaho needed. I don't know if there's a better quarterback in the conference for what Idaho needed this year. And Giovanni McCoy, look, I mean, Eck was on our show last week too saying, look, he's he's a starter next season. That's it. Uh, Jerry, Jerry Rice Award finalist, right, Dallas?
0: Yeah, and honestly, he might be the favorite. If you if you go poking around the FCS national media, now again, a lot of those guys are inch deep, mile wide, but there there are major major outlets picking Giovanni to win this award. Like th- th- this is a this is a big time award, guys. If you look, the Jerry Rice Awards only been around for about ten years. Uh, Deion Sanders kid won it last year. He's going to end up being the starting quarterback at Colorado next year. Ah, uh, before that, Cam Ward won it. Who's now obviously starting for the Cougs. Uh, Trey Lance, the year before that, he's in the NFL. Josh Davis, unfortunately, at, at Weber never fully manifested into the player we thought he'd be. Uh, injuries kind of sapped him a little bit. But I mean, you've got guys like Cooper Cup, Chase Edmonds, like Case Cooks has played some pro football. Like the Jerry Rice Award is a big deal, and we're talking about a, a vandal potentially winning this. And then also McCoy was also the freshman of the year in the big sky too. I, that's also not not something that's that's mentioned. Uh we haven't at least I don't think we just mentioned it. Maybe we have. I'm It's a late night guys. Uh, these these late night shows sometimes our brains go a little crazy. Um but no McCoy man, 68% of his passes, 2700 yards, 27 touchdowns, three tu- three uh three touchdowns on the ground as well. I just I I wish he would have been able to be healthy at the end of the season. I still I still think he just that he got beat up at the end. Obviously, missed the final game of the season, and then came back and played the playoffs. And I thought he looked pretty hampered by the injury. It's it was tough. You, for me, I look at it and think he had such an incredible season. How far would this team have gone had he been healthy? And it's it's too bad that you know he did get hurt. And part of that is hey, the offensive line. We know that there was work to be done there, and, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But. All in all, what a hell of a year from Vonnie McCoy.
1: Yeah. The next guy I got to talk about um, offensively, you touched about Hayden Hatton already, but I mean, dude, dude sets the school record for touchdowns and this just has to be understood, which Vandal fans know this, like the, you reference the national media for the voting is, you know, inch deep, mile wide, as far as understanding what's, ha- what, what's happening in a given school. Hayden Hatton took three or four games to really take off the season, you know, new scheme, uh, Appear, he didn't appear to be the number one target early on uh, it took honestly it seemed like it took Terrest trainer for sure being gone and early jermaine jackson was the go-to target for Giovanni mccoy uh also a little asterisk there is idaho look idaho ran 471 times on the season past 343 times on the season so obviously the team was run first but also but early the uh Play calling was a little more conservative, gave Hayden Hatton fewer options. But man, the dude got over a thousand receiving yards a season, 16 touchdowns. By this by the end of the season, I mean Montana kind of felt like the coming out party or the week before was coming out party for Hayden Hatton. He he's just clearly the best receiver in in not just the big sky, but the FCS. It's bullshit that he that he wasn't a uh, he wasn't a Walter Payton finalist. It's preposterous because statistically he he should have been anyway. Uh, being the best receiver in probably the best conference,
0: what we believe is the best football conference this season. And well, and, and Brian, you alluded to it, that he it took a while to get going. Over or under 4.5 games for him to catch his first touchdown this year? Uh, I'm going to go under, and that under is four. Uh, In four games he played, it was the fifth game of the season that he caught his first touchdown pass. He had 13 yards at Washington State. He didn't play against Indiana. He had 68 yards against Drake and 49 yards against Northern Arizona. And then after that, Northern Colorado came to town. He put up 131 yards and two touchdowns. He caught at least one touchdown every single game the rest of the way. And only missed breaking a hundred one time when he had only forty seven yards against Portland State. Other than that, he had over hundred yards and a touchdown every single game the rest of the way. Yeah, so sixteen touch—that's sixteen touchdowns over the course of eight games.
1: Pretty, pretty, pretty damn good. Dallas, it's insane, insane. And he's Hatton's coming back next year. Uh, we'll. we'll We'll get the transfers, but at this point, Hatton's name is not in the transfer portal. We have no reason to believe it will be. Uh, I certainly hope that uh, Hatton stays here because I love him as a main target. But we have, the only information we have is to assume that the dude's back. And until someone declares for the portal, they're back. And that certainly has to happen yet. But Hatton's a redshirt slash COVID sophomore. So uh, dude has to be approaching degree just because he's been here for a while but you know the covid
0: county is going to be weird for probably what three more years dallas because of red shirt plus covid year yep exactly i the way i like to think of it hayden's freshman year was 2019 that's that's like that's how i i figured out like where they're at degree wise eligibility i have no idea how many more years he's gonna have just because of like you said brian the COVID. Well, we know Throw how much off. years he has too because he's a covid red shirt sophomore so there we go covid red shirt sophomore you heard it here
1: first but yeah, uh, Hayden Hatton, just a, just a joy watching him. the um, spe- spe- second half of the season too. Jermaine, you know Jermaine Jackson. Let's just talk about the receiving room as a whole right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Jordan Dwyer, great surprise. You know a lot. We we, we expected we we're going to get a lot more Zach Borish than we did this season. There really wasn't much Zach Borish this season. There were other guys who uh, who who stepped up when their number was called. Um, Jordan Dwyer for sure prior to injury,
0: but Jermaine Jackson. Honestly, he made me forget that Therese Trainer was injured and gone. For one thing season. I want to point out real quick, as you mentioned, Jordan Dwyer. Jordan Dwyer only ended up playing in four games and technically could be redshirted this year and be a redshirt freshman next year rather than a sophomore, like what we all expected. After he did, he did look very good in those first few games. Anyways, Brian, continue with Jordan yeah. Jackson.
1: Well, no, it's that heading into the season, the thought was that Therese Trainer was going to be the number one receiver. Therese Trainer was thirteen all big guy in twenty twenty one. Dude barely played due to injury issues, but this isn't dismissive to, to trainer. He's a great guy. Idaho did fine without Therese trainer. So if, if Idaho has a healthy Therese trainer next year, I mean, he would be now be stepping into more of the Jermaine Jackson role because Jackson, Jackson's senior, he's done. It he was a great senior season for Jackson, but the way Jackson stepped up and also just after the shitty story, Jackson had of comes here, blows his knee, in the in the covid year has to miss essentially all of the of 2021 season then 2022 after all that time he kicks ass right out the gate he's the number one target right out the gate in the way that we just never got to see him uh, potentially fitting in prior to injury um, i guess the, the you know put a button on that point of the things i thought idaho was gonna really just kind of light up uh, the big sky with with Jason Eck coming in, you know, at South Dakota State, he rushed about sixty percent of the time, passed about forty percent of the time. Numbers at Idaho were not that far off. No way did I, did I think we were going to have two first team All Big Sky receivers. And look, I don't even know who I don't know who the argument would be of who you'd want to put ahead of one of the one of those guys. I think the arguments who, who Pierre Williams shouldn't have been on the list and who else, who goes in place of Pierre Williams. But as far as like absolutely. On the team they belong on, Jermaine Jackson, Hayden Hatton, for sure.
0: Absolutely, the, the the two best receivers in in this conference, and I don't think it's even close. Um, even with Xavier Guillory potentially transferring to a Power Five school, I wouldn't put him over either one of these two guys. And they're both back next year, as long as they don't transfer. Well, yeah, you got to correct you. You got to correct me. I
1: was wrong. Jermaine Jackson's back next year. He's a, he's a junior, so we have but, that entire
0: receiving room back. And see, again, that's where where things get weird because he played in one game in the spring and blew his knee out and then redshirted in the fall because he redshirted in fall of 21 because of, again, recovering from the injury and then the COVID year. So he does have one more year, even though he's technically about to be his fourth year as a Vandal after coming in here as a junior college transfer. So again, things get weird, but sometimes it works out really well in your favor um so Hatton's back jackson's back after that the the receiving room that though that was the bulk of the work uh michael graves uh looked really good at, at different times um was kind of just the, the big play big catch guy uh only had 15 catches but had close to 200 yards and a touchdown um and again we we really didn't see Therese trainer five receptions for 51 yards this year i I don't want to speculate on a kid transferring or not I know Therese transferred in here i is there, is there enough ball to go around with, with three different receivers that all probably want to put up pretty good stats in what should be their final college seasons? I mean, obviously, Hatton's got more, multiple more options there, but it's not unheard of to declare early for the NFL from the big sky, especially if you have another season like that. It will be pretty hard for teams to not take that seriously. Uh, but... Ryan, you mentioned the, the just the passing running differential from from X history. I would not have guessed this going into the season, much less even this show. Idaho was fourth in passing yards per game with two hundred sixty-one, and seventh. And this is a conference totals, by the way. Uh, seventh in the conference in rushing with one hundred seventy-one rushing yards. I was not expecting Idaho to have that much more of a passing offense going in this year than than the rushing offense.
1: Well, I mean, that, that was one of the revelations of the team and that's one of the future evolutions we're going to have to look at, which is you know, Idaho, obviously uh, relative to the volume of rushing, you would not call Idaho the most efficient rushing team in the big sky. Uh, I'm going to point to future offensive line development as what's going to uh, push that number up or not push it up. Uh, Jason Eck can't develop, can't develop the type of all conference lineman after just ha- being here, here one year. He talked about that when he was first on talked about that in his introductory press conference schools like south dakota state north dakota state they build their lines that that takes time um but like i mean that partially goes back to mccoy i mean what what Eck what eck and Schleister put together and what guys like Giovanni mccoy executed was a preposterously efficient pass attack that in the spring like did anyone think that Passing a pass efficiency like Idaho had this year is on the table. No, no, absolutely not. Um, you know that's going to be one of the questions we have heading into next year. Is um, is there room for growth? Uh, is which like not not trying to step on that part, but pretty damn hard to do better right now statistically than what McCoy did, what the team did. You know, I guess the the way you do better is you. Uh, allow for additional repetitions and see if the efficiency can stay where it is that that is the evolutionary step if if the team's gonna be better in that direction
0: well and i want to cut you off real quick i apologize um something i didn't even think about mentioning here is you're talking about the passing efficiency and potentially improving that next year teres trainer back alex moore got hurt in the first game we thought alex moore was going to be a stud we thought he was going to take over the tight end position from connor whitney it sounded like all throughout camp and spring, he was this new weapon that was going to be used, and then he got hurt week one, and we didn't see him again. Yeah, so fingers crossed uh, on the recovery of uh, Alex Moore for sure,
1: but no, man, you're right. The The team has a lot of weapons that, as of now, you can expect to come back. Look, look maybe, maybe we talk about the transfer portal for like 10 seconds so we, we don't have to keep alluding to it and step away from it. Idaho has a handful of guys in the portal right now Uh, But none of them, none of the guys in the portal are were big contributors this year, which is not a put down to the players because a lot of the guys just didn't play a ton. Mm -hmm. But as far as accrued stats, accrued production right now, Idaho has not really lost much. The biggest names for Idaho in the portal are uh, Zach Borish and CJ Jordan. And hey, we we miss both those guys. We're happy for their times as, as Vandals. Uh, We certainly had CJ had injury issues that kind of didn't let him get momentum when, you know, during like the COVID year, during his, his second freshman year, Zach Borish was moved around 500 rooms throughout his Mm -hmm. college career. Has a really, his career, his the narrative of the Zach Borish career is actually quite interesting at Idaho. He led the team in rushing in 2021. Someone's going to get a good athlete who, you know, Mm -hmm. there's ways the dude can contribute, but just narrowly talking about yards accrued, scores accrued. Idaho's not really really losing much and you
0: know Idaho did uh, both the Noyles are in the portal. I, and those are those are the guys who played the most out of any of the guys in the transfer yeah. portal. The Noyle brothers yeah, are the ones that that played the most uh Warrior um I don't believe he ever started at corner maybe he did a couple games but played in 11 or 12 games at corner. Uh Michael played three games in the defense as well. He's he's been back and forth between the receiver room and the DB room but those are the guys on the and on the list right now that we know of that are the guys that, that played the most. I you know, no offense to the Noyles, but they weren't like they weren't the Marcus Harris, Tommy McCormick, like on the like on the the marquee of the Vandal the players that had the best stats and the accolades this season.
1: Yeah, Noyle when he played it in the the uh in the game against southeastern Louisiana was certainly a guy who uh, SLU targeted. Um so look, we appreciate time as Vandals, but we're not, Idaho's not losing any starters to finish up the list. Uh, of the people declared right now, got Brett Tomasini, linebacker, Caleb Menzel, O-Line, already talked about CJ Jordan, Jabari Farms, linebacker, Kevin Eldridge, offensive line. Uh, there are two transfers from Snow College who were with Idaho for a couple weeks during the season. Uh, there's Owen Famo and then Tui Yuumi Iono Iono was number 99 he was that huge d lineman Idaho saw for a few games and look he honestly he might be in terms of a crude play the biggest loss for Idaho but Idaho's already been playing without Iomo because he left the, left the team during the season uh then early the very first transfer out of Idaho during the spring was Tyler Webb who he's um I think he's at Kilgore College Junior college in uh, yep. Texas California whatever um and then Zach has said earlier, that's that's the people Idaho has in the portal right now. We know every single year that teams are going to lose guys. And the thing, I just I just had to bring this up talking portal. I'm not saying Jason Eck did this with any of the guys li- that we just ran through that transferred from Idaho. But when media figures and people look at the vast number of people who enter the transfer portal and get shocked and react about like, hey, like what's going on? This is crazy. So many people are leaving the overwhelming majority of players who hit the transfer portal do so because they're directly told you don't have a future playing on this team or you're going to lose your scholarship so if you want to get a scholarship elsewhere you should you should enter the portal or if you would like to play the sport as a collegiate athlete you should enter the portal that's how that's how most guys who have virtually no stats enter the portal so i'm not saying that idaho did that with any individual guys here because we don't have knowledge to say that but that's typically what happens when you see a guy who hasn't seen much action enter the portal. They don't think they're necessarily going to get greener pastures. It's they, they're they guys who are told you're not going to play or they feel like they can read the writing on the wall and want to play elsewhere.
0: And I also want to point out, uh, Jason Mayer commented on this. Uh, as, we, as we mentioned, CJ Jordan and Zach Borsch, two of the, the bigger names that people know about. Uh, both of those guys left with degrees. I think both of the Noyles got degrees. I think most of the guys in the portal did end up with a degree or a, a I think maybe like uh, Menzel, Tomasini weren't here quite long enough, but the guys that were here long enough like got degrees and are, are vandals forever, so like, really, we thank them for their time. Uh, we hope they all find landing places that they go and succeed at. I know CJ Jordan has already uh, posted that he's been offered by UNI to play quarterback over there. Um, I haven't seen anything else in the other guys. We'll keep you guys updated as much as we can through this, through our Discord, through Twitter, um, but also you can just kind of you can search their name. You should be able to find them and find, find out where they've gone if if you're curious. But uh, So, Brian, we're a half hour in, and we've talked quarterbacks and receivers. I want to quickly touch on the offensive line and the running back rooms just to, to kind of cover most of the offense. There's also the tight end room. Realistically, the name there to talk is Connor Whitney. Um, so we're going to make this one very quick. Connor Whitney, completely the safety valve in this offense, 30 receptions, 242 yards and a touchdown. Seem to be open when when absolutely required, and then after that, Jack Schuster and Dalton Cash each had two receptions. Alex Moore, like we said, injured. There's the tight end room. Did you have anything you wanted to elaborate on there?
1: No, I mean, I mean, you hit it. You know, uh, Connor Whitney's been he has got that West Valley connection. Um, yeah, he's another guy who just seems like he's been there forever. Uh, it was it was kind of night early in the season. Whitney got a lot more action, and then. Uh, Last couple of games of the season, he started getting his number called a bit more, uh, but no, not not a ton to add. Um, you appreciate the contribution. Really stoked to see how Alex Moore does next year. You know, there's also some transfers who uh, are thought were you know on paper are guys who seem like, not transfers, sorry, recruits from last season who on paper uh, you'd expect him hey, next year. Or so we might see their name. Guys like Chance Bogan, uh, you know, he's he's a he was a decommit from University of Washington. He was thought of as a potentially big get. We'll of course see because you know when recruit sign it's it's always exciting whenever recruit signs but we we find we often with new recruits don't really hear much from them for the next couple of years uh that that's all i got
0: so let's so let's quickly hit the the linemen again uh we kind of talked about a little bit that look this is going to take time to get the offensive line to where it where it needs to be um, and that's not a slight on any of the current guys there it's that look i think Eck has talked about it like at South Dakota State, half of the guys that were on the team that went to the national title game were were like walk-ons and and guys that came without scholarships. Like offensive line is just such a different thing because you don't have guys often walk on as or start as freshmen. Like they're they've got to get bigger, they got to get stronger. So you know, shout outs to to guys like Aiden Knappick and Tigana Cisse, like playing as tr- as true freshmen. Cisse six games, Knappick eight games, and honorable mention. Um, you know, guys like Logan Floyd, the. Thank you for your time here. We're going to miss you. Most of the rest of the guys come back next year, and then you also have, so there's 10 guys that got playing time this year. You have a bunch of recruits signed this year, a handful of guys signed last year. It feels like Eck is putting his focus on bringing in as many linemen as possible. As uh, you can see, two linemen that didn't play this year. Uh, Both um, Menzel and Eldridge did not get any playing time, both of them transferring out. You'd assume that's because there's guys transferring in or recruited in that are going to end up kind of stuffing that room in a couple years. I would think two years from now, we're probably talking about Idaho putting guys on the first and second team, all big sky lists, maybe not just... Logan Floyd getting the, I, I mean, absolutely deserving. Logan Floyd is fantastic, but getting the like, Hey, your senior year, you made it to third team, all big sky. I think X ideas, probably let's try to get some guys all conference honors early in their career. Let's, let's get this, let's get this line rebuilt, Ryan.
1: Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the running back room. This isn't to just hit through all the position groups. Uh, Cause yeah, you know, we'll, we'll do next year when we'll do our preview positions, but, um, you know, I talked about I framed us as surprises earlier in the year. Um, mm-hmm. I gotta say, Anthony Woods, uh true freshman running back, makes second team all big sky. Um, man, was that dude revelation? And you just knew it, Dallas, from the very mm-hmm. first time you saw the dude carry the ball against Washington State. I I know, look, I saw it. I went to one of the spring scrimmages. Anthony Woods broke a gigantic touchdown run as part of the sec one of the second team players. And um, I I just know my immediate reaction was, holy shit, that guy's fast and he's big. He looks like he's, you know, Rashawn Johnson, but faster. Mm -hmm. Um, Dude makes second team. uh, All big sky absolutely deserved it. Uh, We're going to see what his evolution as a player is both within the offense, you know, maybe potentially becoming a pass catcher to some extent. Um, You know, because of how running back touches were split, that did limit his stats a little bit, but still made second team all big sky honors. He's the name that stands out for sure. Because so look, the other running backs who contributed, you know, three headed monster of Eli Cummings and uh, Rashawn Johnson. I think it's pretty clear. The most talented is Anthony Woods. I think it's pretty clear. The guy who has uh first team all big sky potential is Anthony Woods. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's great for Idaho to have the guys to spread the, to kind of spread the wealth, but, uh, man, is he the guy I'm stoked to see the development over the next couple of years, especially heading into next year. You know, he's, we get the spring game now uh, coming this year. We get to kind of, we get to, we don't have to do the potential talk of like, Hey, Rashawn Johnson looks good in the spring game. We just know who the guy, how the guys contributed on a good team. Uh, we get to take that as a given and understand one, they might not get as many reps because it's spring, but two, uh, use that more as a gauge to see how the new defensive guys handle. Um, you know, handle a, a good running back, a developing offensive line, um, but you know, Eck rush 471 times. Like I said, rushed much more time, uh, over 130 more times than Idaho passed. Uh, that was that's not that's not easy. Idaho's definitely not the best running team in the league. It was not close. Uh, Idaho doesn't run as well as a you know Montana State, UC Davis, or Sacramento State. Those are not in order. Your top three rushing teams, the Big Sky. Uh, but you see some pieces about how maybe that could develop next year. That that is going to be taken care of through uh, strength training and and recruits for sure. Uh, but I guess you know for a school for a team Dallas that ran effortlessly ran more than than they passed. That was that was a, a clear focus uh, of this season uh, on a line that was developing. You know they acquitted them, that group acquitted itself pretty well
0: they they did um so it, it was really weird because we we talked about it in the the preseason and, and our, our picks i think you had picked roshan johnson as team mvp i had picked andre carter as mvp because i was expecting a different running back to come out of the room just wasn't expecting it to be true freshman anthony woods uh, you 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 alluded to the like the just the way that the carries broke out Limited Woods' stats a little bit. Just for anybody that's curious, 149 carries for Woods, 872 yards, 5.9 yards a carry. That is absolutely all league, all FCS level talent right there. Um, He only had three touchdowns. Eli Cummings had six, uh, four on the ground, two in the air because Cummings kind of served a little bit as that pass catching back. He was actually fifth on the team in receiving yards this year. Um, and then Roshan ended up becoming kind of the the short yardage, punch it in guy. Roshan ended up with 12 touchdowns. Um, Roshan had one of the best careers I can think of in, in recent Vandal history. That six touchdown game is going to be something I relive in my brain for the rest of my life. But it was really shocking to see Anthony Woods come out there and look just that much, that much uh, in a completely different plane than Roshan, and, and we thought Roshan was a an all Big Sky level kind of guy who could have made an all Big Sky team if he had, you know, if he had all the carries that that Woods gotten, if the the offense kind of funneled through him like a like Ulonzo Gilliam at UC Davis, and then we just we saw Woods come in as a true freshman and look absolutely unworldly. Uh, it's I'm very excited, Brian, to see what surprises we have next year because I don't think any of us could have ever picked that Anthony Woods was going to be second-team All-Big Sky as a true freshman. No, well, he's a true freshman, so why would
1: you pick a guy in the Big Sky uh, as a true freshman? Um, I guess kind of, I want to hit some defensive stuff real quick because one of, the, one of the things I do want to talk about Dallas is, look, Idaho football this year, um, it was absolutely fun, like we talked about. It was a kick-ass season. I do think we need to talk about Idaho, not through the Idaho podcast lens, but through the entire Big Sky Conference lens, uh, because that is a separate discussion. Um, But, you know, defensive side of the ball. Look, the the narrative of the defense this season was a little bit – I mean, it was honestly flipped relative to to offense, whereas offense started out a little bit slower and then, you know, progressed to the point that Idaho scores 42 in its its final loss of the season. Um, Defensively, Idaho start out the gate just kicking ass. Relative to its matchup, you know, WSU. Uh, I mean, the, the defense is why Idaho kept it close against Washington State, unequivocally. That was why that game was competitive. A defensive score and pretty damn good, good performance. Um, Idaho carried that into the first, for sure, the first half against Indiana. Kind of fell apart in the third quarter, but whatever, things happen. Then throughout much of the season, Idaho defensively that was kind of the identity of the team, even even as a team of scoring points against teams like Northern Colorado, against Portland State. It was Ida, Idaho's development defensively, especially in the secondary, that even let us kind of feel like, hey, this early season excitement might actually mean something. Which you know coalesced that, that Montana game is really the, the flashpoint for the Idaho season. Montana sucked offensively, but Idaho kicked ass defensively, and uh, you know, two forced turnovers are what kept that game close but the the development of the secondary for idaho led which led the big sky in in conference play in interceptions man that came out of nowhere that just came out of nowhere and that's one of the things that we will just point to and say yes we had some guys um that came in as transferred but uh the big change was the scheme guys put in better position to succeed and guys like marcus harris suddenly they're all league guys like tommy mccormick
0: become turnover tommy suddenly they're all league We'll get back to Brian in just a minute. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, do not look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been Vandal-owned and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like one to see the said Meteor Shower, camp on pristine beaches, run amazing white water, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, like you can see these lovely folks on the screen right now have done. You can catch dinner and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call now at 800-262-1882. Again, that's 800-262-1882. Or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Brian, the the secondary was a revelation. Honestly, Marcus Harris, that guy's a dude. I was not expecting, like, I knew somebody was going to explode in the secondary. I knew somebody had to, to break free of the Mike Bresky cushion of death and show that, yeah, there's there's talent out there. It was just the, the coaches didn't know what to do with them. Tom Kendall calling out Coach Franks uh, again. Stanley Franks, one of the greatest Vandals of all time, um, doing a very good job uh, coaching up those DBs. Marcus Harris, second team All Big Sky, fifty-three tackles, two picks, twelve passes broken up. Like the guy was obviously like the best, the best corner out there on the field. No shot at 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 Warrior Noil or Jeremiah Salam or or Monty Arnold or any of the guys that played across from him. But it was obvious the game plan for most teams was Marcus Harris is on that side of the field. We're going to throw it over to this side of the field. And that's, I think, part of where Tommy McCormick was able to capitalize. And and again, he had four picks, uh, forced a fumble, recovered a fumble, uh, really took over that turnover Tommy moniker. Um, It helped in the fact that you shut down a third to a half of the field, they're not going to throw at Marcus Harris. Complete 180 from what we'd seen in the Vandal defense the four years before that.
1: Yeah,
0: no, 100% correct. Um, yeah, we
1: also front seven, you know, linebacker, D-line. Uh, obviously, linebackers uh Favai, Favai Paul Pamwala both second team All-Big Sky. Uh pretty damn instrumental. Um Idaho, you know, relatives, I, on the defensive line, Idaho's a little bit physically smaller than the Vandals have been for the last couple of years. Still that group punched a bit above I mean, they kind of punched a bit above their weight class the Big Sky. That was Idaho fielded the number 2 uh rush defense in the big sky, the number three past in the big sky I throw an asterisk asterisk there because Idaho uh, did get to dodge Montana state. Um, and mm-hmm. look, the, some stats matter, but there are, there are also certainly moments in the season where you can see where the next development, if Idaho is going to be go from being like, you know, pretty good to very good in the big sky, uh, you could see the rush defense, some developmental steps are going to have to going to have to take place. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, defensively for Idaho as a whole, it was weird for the secondary to feel like the relative strength. I know that the big sky stats would say that rush defense was, but I, I just don't agree with that overall as how I would rank this team. Um, you know, but Idaho, look, I mean, Idaho is clearly to me in the category, and I'm going to kind of shift from just talking about the position group, position groups, to try to take that, you know, like a broader view of Idaho right now, Dallas. Um, Idaho is clearly good. Uh, or a pretty good football team. I'd say analogous to kind of Eastern Washington at the end of 2021, uh, maybe even and with Montana this year in 2022, where Idaho is obviously in the top half of the big sky talent wise. And there is a pretty big gap between teams that are not in the top half of the big sky and Idaho, that Idaho just beat the shit out of the teams that were not in the top half of the conference, but against teams, in the top top half of the conference, Idaho is certainly not in the top three, of the conference yet uh the you know the big area that that you just saw in uc davis you just saw against sac state and you saw against uh southeastern louisiana is getting bigger in the trenches both offense and defense and in particular mm-hmm. defensively idaho idaho really did not execute last week of the season the way we, we kind of anticipated idaho would and i think part of that is idaho idaho does have to get some more you know as, as you might say dudes in their front seven or especially mm-hmm. on the, on the D line. That's just somewhere that Idaho's not yet where like, they're not where Weber state is there. They're not where university of Montana is there. Um, but, you know, I guess Dallas, I, I don't know if that was your, if that was any sort of reaction you had where uh, Idaho tonally for this season, there's no way to talk about this other than like the tone of the season was an a, the ride of this season was an a I agree. But you know, if we're talking about Idaho from the perspective of a Montana fan, a Montana State fan, um, Idaho is not yet a power in the conference. Um, Idaho has also has also done this once. So I guess was that was that your understanding of Idaho? Where like to me, I I'd call Idaho a good team. They're certainly not a great team yet.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, if we're if we're taking the Idaho fandom goggles off and trying to be neutral third party observers that have no interest in Idaho football. You look at what they did in the Big Sky and you say, yeah, okay, that's probably the fifth best team in the Big Sky. And there is a a pretty clear cut between the the top of the class and where Idaho is. And unfortunately, where the gap is is the hardest place for Idaho to fix. Um, It's the offensive line. Uh, Again, I'm not trying to take shots at people here, but two of x recruits including one of them being a walk on played eight games and six games on the offensive line uh, again that's what happens with a new coach they bring their guys in they recruit over the guys that are there currently it's never a great sign when you have two freshmen that are playing considerable important minutes on the offensive line it just means that, you know it's just the room is not where this coach wants it to be and then you look on the defensive line and Brian, this is the defensive line and the linebacking core. I have no idea what to expect for next year. Tom Kendall asking who replaces Favai Favai. Tom, I have no idea. Uh Idaho played more mostly a 4-2-5 all season. Uh, the fifth kind of became, was a linebacker every once in a while. But realistically, Favai Favai and Paul Walla were the linebackers this year. So Favai being gone, Hogan Hatton played 12 games. He had 15 tackles. He's mostly on special teams. Uh the rest of the guys behind him only played a handful of games. I have no idea who's going to replace that spot. It might be somebody on the team that we just don't know, like a freshman that got redshirted this year and becomes the guy next year, could be a transfer. You have the same thing happen on the defensive line. Nate DeGraw is gone. Juliano Falonico is gone. Ben Bertram is gone. I know both of those guys, those last two, were only here for a year. But you do have a bunch of a bunch of the front seven departing and I, I, I just, I don't know what to expect behind that. And that's, if I'm Idaho, if I'm an Idaho fan, that's the one thing that concerns me is, hey, hey you've you've got to make some, some tangible improvements here and you've got to add bodies in the, the defensive front seven because your big names, your big contributors, most of those guys are not coming back. And, and to be
1: fair, every team in college has turnover. Every team has their questions about, hey, who's going to come back and replace these guys? Idaho, I honestly think linebacker in college football is kind of like a scoring ball handler in college basketball in that the loss of a leading, leading score, who's a leading score guard on a basketball team is typically concerning. But there are certainly guys who can come up and replace the guy the next season uh, you know, there's a lot of short guys who play basketball who can shoot. Football, look, Idaho just seems to replace linebackers. That's just been, that has been happening for quite some time. That happened with Paul Petrino. Hey, it happened with Jason Neck. Uh, Paul Moala came to Idaho. Uh, he certainly added a dimension to our defense that the team, uh, that the team sorely needed. But look, you're talking about questions that are kind of gui- got going to guide, you know, where does Idaho go from here? Uh, of course, new recruits specifically, like you, you said, departing uh, defensive players and offensive line. Um, one of the things I want to, point out too is look you we talked about Giovanni mccoy uh, you talked about other jerry uh rice award winners and uh, look you also want to bring up that leo Tamba is gone from defensive line that means all four starters from the from sorry four starters from the front six are gone Friday. idaho um, there are jerry rice award winners who don't necessarily develop there are one of the beliefs a lot of fans have is that a good freshman year means a great sophomore and junior year and This isn't just for Giovanni McCoy. Look, we look at RJ Martinez at Northern Arizona for this, which RJ Martinez as a freshman in 2021 throws 14 touchdowns and two picks on the season in 2022. It took a while for the dude to get started, finished with 16 touchdowns and eight picks on the season. But I bring that up. Martinez didn't have anywhere to improve from his 2021 numbers, except to have more attempts. Um, Whether McCoy can possibly improve on his efficiency numbers is a very real question. So um, what kind of developmental step is Giovanni McCoy going to take? And if McCoy can take that step, how is it going to actually manifest relative to the most efficient passer in the big sky? Hey, that's a question. Anthony Woods, is he, is there a developmental step left in Anthony Woods or, I mean, we can't speculate about injury issues because that's part of what derails people's career, but Anthony Woods is very good. The easy expectation is, guy's very good as a freshman. He's going to be great as a sophomore. We're going to see. Players have to actually take those developmental leaps. A lot of times, it doesn't necessarily happen. Doesn't mean when guys don't take the leaps, they don't, you know, automatically suck somewhere. But look, we've seen this in Idaho a ton. Look, Nick Romano is a freshman. He was a guy who it looked like he was going to be the starting running back for a long time. Nick Romano doesn't even play on Idaho anymore. So we we've, we've seen this a lot of times. So, uh, you know, guiding question for Idaho is. Of the guys who had great seasons this year, and I just talked about offensively, but you know, defensive. there's defensive guys in there too, for sure. Uh, are there developmental steps that these guys can make? Or can they at least sustain their level of performance heading into next year? Look, that's a real question we can't answer until next year. But look, Idaho, Idaho made the playoffs. Uh, probably one of the last teams who did make the playoffs. Was, certainly Idaho is not in discussion for a buy. Uh, you know, Giovanni McCoy, who's not as who's not the most efficient passer in the big sky. Idaho probably doesn't make the playoffs. Uh, can can McCoy do that again next year, or can or will Idaho be able to strengthen other areas to make up for uh, maybe not developing a very good player already, uh, not developing further as some very good players do? That's dude, that's a real question about how this repeats next year. Um, how Idaho handles, is Idaho going to be able to lead the big sky in turnovers again? Look, that's a number that goes up and down each year. A lot of its execution and some of it is absolutely luck, Dallas, as you know. Um, so I get. I guess for me, those are kind of my guiding questions of Idaho was a good team this year. And certainly some things broke Idaho's way, like the schedule too. Uh, what does that look like next, next year? Because Idaho's not dodging Weber State and Sacramento State next season. So mm-hmm. Weber State and um,
0: Montana State. It, uh, Weber State might be losing Jay Hill. By the time you're listening to this tomorrow or Thursday or whatever day you listen to Tubs at the Club, Jay Hill might not be the coach at Weber State anymore. So that that might bode good best good news for Idaho. But Brian, you you make a really good point. I want to just because I'm a stats nerd, I want to bring up R.J. Martinez's stats for anybody that thinks, oh yeah, that Giovanni's going to throw for 40 next year. R.J. Martinez played in eight games in 21. He threw the ball 220 times. He had 14 touchdowns, 1,700 yards, two interceptions, completed 62% of his passes. He doubled his pass attempts last season and went from 14 touchdowns, two interceptions, to 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He did complete 3% more of his passes, but from what he did was step in and made NAU look like they, may, they might have a future here to... He's in the transfer portal. He's gotten offers from actually from Southeastern Louisiana was his first offer. Uh, he's also been offered from Delaware. So he does have some like, like playoff teams are offering the kid a, a spot, but he went from, holy shit, NAU might have something here. They might like, this might be when Chris Ball turns turns this program around and they, they challenge the top half of the Big Sky to, oh, that was a one-year flash in the pan, and we're back to being cellar dwellers. That's I do not think that's going to happen with Giovanni McCoy, but, Brian, it is a it is a good way to remind people just because McCoy went 68% of his passes, 2,700 yards, 27 touchdowns, it does not mean that he's going to throw 75% of them. This time, get 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns and win the Walter Payton. I would love to see that, but it doesn't guarantee anything.
1: No, and another factor, not, not trying to fixate on McCoy whatsoever. Look, we could talk about the... Um Idaho's number two rush deep overall rush defense in the big sky uh, pretty clear weakness for Idaho against UC mm-hmm. Davis Sacramento State and SLU was just not being just not being physical enough just not being strong enough yet up front
0: well and, and even even the Idaho State game sorry to interrupt you but even the Idaho State game they let Idaho State run for over 150 yards there, there was yep. even the rough games yes. there were there were times and
1: when we say that, we're talking from the perspective now of Idaho being very good. I don't think there's a world where Idaho sucks next year. No question. Like there's a new floor Mm -hmm. for Idaho football, which also means there's a new subtext for how we talk Idaho football for Idaho to get to the playoffs next year. Just, just look at the schedule today or look at the schedule Idaho played this year. Know that what, know that there's two games in the big sky that you'd probably call winnable that Idaho is going to, rotate in weber state and montana state had idaho played montana state this year instead of northern colorado dallas look idaho isn't physical enough yet for the rushing that montana state has you, if you rotate northern colorado for montana state idaho's at six wins probably doesn't make the playoffs uh, so when weber state there is one of the more physical defensive teams uh, put that in place of portland state i'm not saying idaho loses for sure to weber state but you probably call that a toss-up during the 2022 season you know weber state's made the second round of the playoffs. Idaho did not. Uh, so, you know, there, there's some schedule breaks Idaho had in 2021. And they, Idaho needed those schedule breaks to get to seven wins. Uh, those aren't on the table. So for Idaho to be even good at the level that they are this season, results-wise, to get to that seven-win threshold, to be in that Idaho's first round of the playoffs, one of the last few teams in, but whatever, they still make the playoffs. Idaho's going to have no option but to be very good next year because there there's just fewer cupcakes on the schedule. Eck talked about the admins trying to get an FCS game in place of Western Oregon, fingers crossed. And that, that takes place until it happens. It has not, which means Idaho to make the playoffs next year, they're probably going to have to pick off a shitty Nevada team, but Hey, that's FBS. And then Idaho, they're not going to They don't dodge anyone in the big sky next year, except except Davis. That's it. But still there's two good teams that rotate in for that one. So for, for this, for this if this is the new expectation of Idaho football, being good enough to make playoffs, uh, being good enough to be in that discussion, this Vandal team is going to have to take a developmental step for next year.
0: I mean, Brian, just all sorts of disrespect here for top five Portland State. Uh, top five Portland State leaves the schedule too, so it gets a whole lot easier without them on the docket. Um, uh, Brian is shaking his head at this stupid joke. Um, so obviously Brian mentioned Nevada was terrible this year. Uh, Jay Norvell has a hell of a rebuilding job he's got to do there. They might be better. They might also be, that might be one that Idaho truly has to look at as we got to pick this off. I don't want to go through the schedule for everybody here. It's not the time to do that. But looking at the schedule, the like the the easier games this this upcoming year are at Eastern Washington, at Cal Poly, at Northern Colorado, and then Idaho State in the Kibby Dome. It's not a great sign when. Three of the four weakest teams, if you go based on how they performed this year, three of the four weakest teams you have on the road. It's it, it, Next year's schedule is considerably more difficult for Idaho than this year's schedule was. Hopefully, you know, a year two of the era, hopefully, again, we're moving up. Things are getting better. The floor, like Brian said, the floor is raised. The ceiling is raised again hopefully Idaho's making strides to being that Montana school that people get pissed off if you don't win every single game. I hope that's where we're headed. But I, you know, impartial third party here looking at this like Idaho's got a much tougher road to the playoffs next year than they did last year. Really need that Western Oregon game to change into a FCS game to at least get one more chance at getting that win credit.
1: Well, and you know, credit to Agnes staff. Look, we we're going to probably call it an episode not too long. Dallas will we have an ad read. We'll hit to um, producing in public. A good story for Idaho though is look, Jason Eck and co has changed what the expectation is for, for university of Idaho football. Not every new look, every school that hires a new coach, we're going to talk about, we're going to go in depth on the new big, on the big sky coaching news next week. So we can go through the individual hires Dallas, but Look, every school gets stoked about a new coach. They not every new coach turns things around. Look, Charlie Raggle's uh, Charlie Raggle bailed on Idaho State, took a dumpster fire and if anything made it worse. And and now Raggle's gone. Uh, Ed McCaffrey fired because he should have been fired. But look, there was a lot of excitement when Ed McCaffrey was hired because of the name. And Northern Colorado, they're better now with you know they're going to hire Ed Lamb. We'll talk in-depth about that next week so that's a kick-ass hire from northern colorado but that school is going to be as excited for ed lamb as they were for ed mccaffrey mccaffrey didn't work out chris ball has clearly not worked out he's in stasis at best idaho has one of the best they have a hire that's at this point closing on closing in on being on par with the hire weaver state made a handful of years ago and getting Jay Hill, who as Dallas referenced earlier, Jay Hill looks like he's going to become the defensive coordinator for BYU. So we were just going to look at a new coach. Uh, It's a higher now. Eck hasn't succeeded at the level of Troy Taylor winning the big sky right off the bat. But uh, you know, Eck is in the discussion of the hires like Troy Taylor, Jeff Choate, Brent vegan, Bobby Hawk returning of these guys were program altering hires and the expectation of program changed within a year of those guys being on campus, that's a huge deal for Idaho to know that we, that Idaho hit a home run, uh, Eck produced, and it was clear. This was not like bullshit luck. We, We saw evidence of, Confidence throughout the season, both offensively and defensively. That was a good staff. Idaho has those guys are coming back. That's a huge break Idaho has because again, we just talked about it. roughly half the most recent big sky hires have panned out, and the other half have not. We we feel like we know what side Idaho's on, which matters because in establishing now a new expectation heading into this coming season of Idaho is not a train wreck. Idaho is an ascending program. That changes how that changes the kind of steps that need to take place.
0: Well, I took my headset off there for a moment, so I apologize if you meant if you'd mentioned this, but Bo Baldwin left Cal Poly. Like that's that's the, the, the biggest thing for me about the Eck Hire was that he spoke about Idaho being a bully at this level and spoke about like he's an FCS coach who was is here to coach an FCS team. I don't want to get into the FCS FBS debate. We're here in the FCS. I want a coach that is expecting to stay with this school. Unless a hell of a hail mary offer comes in, rather than like Bo Baldwin leaving Cal because he was about to get fired, there goes down and takes over Cal Poly. They make it a couple years, and then he he bails for a, a, a considerably better job. Don't get me wrong, Pac twelve offensive coordinator is going to get paid a whole lot more. But their head coach there, the new head coach Coach Dillingham, is going to be the the guy running the offense. Bo Baldwin is there just to be the name and and help him run some things. It is. It is almost sad to look at the state of the coaching across the big sky and see, you know, Bobby Houck maybe not working out as well as people wanted. Obviously, Raggle didn't work out. McCaffrey didn't work out. Ball didn't work out. You go through and you see a lot of the the most recent phases did not work out. I also don't care because Idaho fucking nailed it, guys.
1: They did, but like, this is part of this is maybe the point you brought this up as now framing Idaho heading into next year. You say that. Bobby Hauk maybe not working out at Montana. Well, Montana has an has had an objectively more successful season than Idaho this season. They made the first round of the playoffs, and Montana won a game in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The tone, the tone in Missoula is not close to the tone in Idaho because this was a representative disappointment for a team that you know maybe throw the national title talk out the window. Montana had expectations that they were a top 10 program or like a non-ironic top five program. That's clearly not the case in Montana. Uh, it's it's a big deal in Idaho because it, we just you know we'd been a clusterfuck for the last why for the last very long time. And Idaho clearly isn't that anymore. It's a huge representative step up for Idaho, but it also means we're we're going to be closing in in not too long, on. Idaho fans get to look, you, you want to accept the wins that you have. I mean, representative wins. You want to not have the threshold of everything has to be a championship or it sucks. Cause I hate, I absolutely hate that moronic way that uh, sports can be discussed of. If you're not winning a championship, you suck. That's, that's not how we talk about it. That's not how any fan with five brain cells talks about it, but Idaho next year. Uh, if Idaho's not in the discussion for playoffs, for the playoffs, I mean, that's, it's going to be a change. That's, that's going to be handled a little bit different from the fan base. It's going to be handled a little bit different from uh, the big sky at large, where the fact of Idaho just being in the discussion this year was a huge representative win. There's no, there's no reason for Idaho to, to be thought of as not part of the potential playoff. Uh, you know, the teams that likely heading into 2023 are going to be thought of as shortlisted for the playoffs. That's going to become the new subtext for Idaho. And it's great for us that that's how uh, we get to watch Idaho as a team, but we're going to get, we are going to start to get to a point if Eck keeps building where we're like, we're maybe not as annoying as the Montana fan base can be, but again, got to come back to that. You talked about Bobby Houck, maybe not working out. The dude made the last two final eights and then had a better season than Idaho. So uh, Mm -hmm. that's not, not trying to fixate on Bobby Houck. But that's just the the global FCS perspective of Idaho. Idaho had a kick ass season. If your expectation is sucking, but relatively speaking, you know Idaho's a top twenty four ish FCS team right now. But they're certainly not above top, you know,
0: sixteen. I think the biggest takeaway here is that Brian just confirmed he does not like the movie Talladega Nights. I think that is unfortunate, because um, if you ain't first, you're last, Brian. You listening are not going to be able to see this, but for those of you watching live on YouTube, you can see this beautiful, almost sexual face just getting closer and closer to your camera. And it's, oh, look at that. It's on Brian's screen too. Again, if you're listening to this, you have no idea what the hell's going on, but we're showing off some of Nick Davis's latest and greatest creations Again, the Giant King Spud, contact us, contact him if you are interested in this giant metal King Spud. Our Patreons have seen this in sticker form, well now Nick Davis is making it in metal form, so you can hang it up on your wall, stick it on the ground behind you, so it can hang out and kind of be seen in the back of a podcast that you do. Um, He actually, and I'm speaking away from the microphone because I'm a piece of shit, there we go. Uh as part of this whole ad campaign we're doing, Nick asked me, what is my favorite Vandal sign? And what would he like? What what, would, what could he make for me? So here in my hand is a freshly made Grumpy Joe sign. Because again, Nick makes a bunch of Vandal logos as well. You can buy some of that stuff in the Vandal store. I'm assuming you can buy it from him directly. Hit him up at Idaho underscore Davis on Twitter. He makes some of the absolute coolest stuff around, Uh, It's an absolutely fantastic Christmas gift. If my brother wasn't a piece of shit Bronco, I would have bought him. Actually, maybe that's probably, maybe I should buy him this because he went to Boise State. Uh, If you got vandals in your life, man, these are the coolest gifts. Like, absolutely the coolest shit I got in my house. Uh, I mean, you guys can see I got a bunch of junk behind me, but this stuff, this stuff kicks ass. And Dallas is 100% there. So, Dallas. uh,
1: we, we need to close this off really quick. I want to ask you a couple rapid fire questions that uh, are like, are not meant for a long, long uh,
0: response. Yes, no, 14, true, seven. Okay. Uh, real quick. Sing, singular highlight of the season. Uh, damn. I guess. Yes. To the answer to that question. Um, singular highlight of the season. That's a great question. Um, as I kind of alluded to this on the X show, uh, I my favorite moment of the season was the Washington State loss uh, because that was the moment. that was like, holy shit, this isn't Petrino's team anymore. Um, I'm going to go with my alternate answer for that. Northern Colorado was my favorite moment of the season. Um, not Northern Colorado, not Ed, not Ed's dumpster fire. Uh, 87 getting 86. That was hilarious. But just homecoming itself was the loudest I've seen that dome in a very long time. I know that the attendance was announced short of eleven thousand. It felt more like fourteen thousand in there. It was rolling. It was rocking. That was the moment that it was like, oh, like people care about this team again. Uh, obviously, the, the attendance wasn't great in some of the other games, but to me, Brian, that was the that was the biggest moment of the season for me was seeing the Kibby Dome loud again. At the performance level, for me, it was Montana.
1: Um, at the Idaho experience level for me, it was you know Northern Colorado in a different way. It was the in-your-face change in uh, in halftime adjustments that Idaho just man, we just had not seen that um, in for for a long time. And I don't mean to dismiss the other games in the season. It's just Idaho underperforming in the first half to keep the game close, and then just adjusting and beating the shit out of Northern Colorado in the second half. Seeing so essentially repeated that in Portland State um that those plus Mo- the montana win are really what start what really would turn me on the fact like hey we're not stoked about the future of this team you should be stoked about today uh in the comment section mark shovel saying montana steve Kurtz said montana jason Mayer said hat and throttling eastern uh those are absolutely on there uh, uh, again we, we've been talking for an hour and 10 minutes because there's a ton of, of good moments
0: Tom Candle mentioning Montana as well. That's why I didn't bring up Montana. Obviously, that was the biggest win. Obviously, kicking an onside's kick right in Bobby Houck's stupid fucking face was incredible. One of the best moments, honestly, of my life because fuck the Grizz. Um, But I wasn't going to go with Montana because everybody's going with Montana. If you're listening to this now on podcast services around the world or later on YouTube, if you're not here in the live chat, I'm going to guess if Brian asked you what was your moment of the season, it was probably Montana. I do want to shout out. Uh, again, Jason Mayer and Tom Kendall mentioning it as well. Hatton breaking records, Hatton throttling Eastern. Like, guys, there's a lot to celebrate here. Brian, you said these were quick fire questions, and I'm sitting here just chatting out of my ass. What else you got? Okay. Single play this year that you would say best
1: encapsulates Idaho football?
0: Uh, the onside's kick against against Bobby Hawk. That was absolutely it. That was the, you know what? Fuck you. We're going to go for this. We. We're going to take this victory rather than the Paul Petrino tried and true. Well, if we show up, at least we showed up and I got paid.
1: Mine is the second pick against Montana. The first of the first hot of the two times Idaho made a comeback based off of back-to-back interceptions.
0: Single Steve Kurtz uh, mentioning scoop and score against Wazoo. That was also a great, great moment.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tom Kendall brings up Hayden Hatton breaking the the touchdown receptions record, which I know that's for the last question, but I think that fits uh, this discussion too. Mm-hmm. Um, single change, not talking about the football team itself. I'm talking about as an Idaho Vandal, what is the, was the single best change you experienced this year? Friday football.
0: Single best change. I mean, is there any, does the head coach count? Cause that that's the number one. And that's the only answer to that question. If that counts. I don't disagree with that point, but experientially, I'd say the uh,
1: home games going from a graveyard to a celebration, which is being just being out in the parking lot and in the games as the season evolved, it just got better and better and better. Um, Single play or single series of plays that reminded you that though this was a kick-ass ride Dallas there was
0: definitely an end coming um honestly the UC Davis game can I just say the entirety of the entirety of any time that UC Davis had the ball let's let's go with that um that was the moment that it was like oh 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 oh, this team is gonna get shit pumped in the playoffs um I mean I, I mean not like shit pumped to me they obviously lost a nail-biter uh to southeastern louisiana but it was the that was the moment to me it's like oh there while there has been a lot of climb from where Petrino left this team a year ago there is still a long way to go before you're at that montana north dakota state like perennially contending year after year level well, Gotta hit a couple of the uh best change
1: question answers. Uh Steve Hurt say more fans in the dome. Jason Mayer says defensive backs. Mark Trivelpiece says excitement. Tom Kendall says changed culture. And then Tom Kendall to answer my hey, when did you see Ido had the limitations? Uh Tom Kendall says, I tried to tell you guys to worry about UC Davis and Coach
0: Hawkins. God damn right, you you did Tom Kendall. So yeah. our bad for not following. Um Hey, Tom's a Jets fan. He knows he knows football pain. I should have listened. That's my fault, Tom. I, I bought into the, the excitement on that that week. Single thing that makes that happened in 2022 that makes you feel
1: most stoked about prospects for
0: 2023. Uh To be completely honest, Jack Lane. I thought Jack Lane looked fantastic. And I feel great about that because if Giovanni gets hurt, I feel very confident in the guy behind him. I I I would have felt confident in CJ or Zach Borish or Jabore any of those guys behind him. But obviously Lane established himself as the number two. That makes me feel really good next year because while again McCoy got through almost the entire season healthy, it it had been the first time since 2016 that the Vandals had a quarterback play most of the year. It had you know it's just been a revolving door of injuries. It's nice to know that there are, there are at least two guys going to be in the room next year that I feel confident we can win some games with. I'm going to go
1: the other direction in that Idaho was pretty damn good defensively and Ekinorch don't yet have all their guys in particular. Uh, You have to expect there's going to be some more size on the defensive line. And that's going to, that's going to matter against teams like UC Davis against teams like Sacramento state or when Idaho play look Montana state looks like a goddamn juggernaut right now, uh, <clears throat> rushing the football Mon- Montana state made the best rush defense in the league in Montana. Look absolutely Northern Colorado level. And I just say that because Idaho was pretty good, but still you'd probably say a little deficient personnel wise in the front seven, largely due to size and you have to expect that's not going to be worse next year when Eck has this year of excitement at Idaho to recruit off of, and they've already shown you know, an ability to get guys who can plug and play as needed plus develop. Single thing Dallas, uh, and hit the comment section, Steve Kerr says uh, Hayden Hatton is his, his single thing that makes him feel most promising about 2022. Um, single thing that makes you feel most anxious about 2023
0: most anxious about 2023. Um, honestly, it is it is the defensive line and linebacking core uh, because it is the biggest question mark to me at the moment because, like we said, four of the six guys that started in the front six are not coming back next year. They graduated. They are absolutely not coming back. Um, the depth there, I just, I just don't know enough about it. Um, I could read off the names of the guys that played this year, I just, I don't know enough about them to know if, if these guys are going to be the guys, if there's some freshmen that are going to step in. I, I don't know what's going to happen in the front six. You know, Mark Trillpiece comment section says schedule.
1: Tom Kendall says trenches, trenches, trenches. Jason Mayer says line depth. I think all three of those answers are the same answer, which is, which is my answer. I'm going to say line depth because of the schedule too. And that Idaho, Idaho is just going to have to get better in the trenches for sure. Idaho's going to have to get tougher on in their defensive line. And look, Giovanni McCoy is not going to forget how to throw an intermediate to long pass next season. Hayden Hatton's not going to forget how to catch those passes. What's going to matter for Idaho is can Idaho improve the gaps for the run game and get continue to give McCoy time. And can Idaho become tougher against the more physical teams in the big sky? That's the evolution of the big sky right now in that all the good teams like, and all the good teams are not necessarily always going to be rushing like Montana state, Montana state, partially it's not being having recruited good passers, but all teams are becoming more physical. All teams are that are good in big sky are becoming solid defensively. And even if these teams are not, their offensive identity is not strictly based off the run. All teams are becoming effective at playing physical football. That's a step. Idaho is going to have to take, uh, to continue to continue this growth, or to even just maintain that uh, you know first round playoff level ability the Vandal's have right now, that just is going to have to be something that takes place. Those are kind of my questions, Dallas. You you have any? Are you ready to call
0: it a night? Um, I have a question for you. Would you like to do one final, or maybe two final? Dep- depends on on how the next couple of weeks go, I guess. Would you like to do potentially one final Big Sky pick'em for the season? Let's do it. First up, number seven, Incarnate Word versus number two, Sacramento State. Incarnate
1: Word can really score, and uh, there, Incarnate Word is a past first team, which is certainly the weakness of Sacramento State. Uh, but look, I I just think look, Sacramento State just picked up a, a win against a good Richmond team. This is honestly that's one of the best fcs playoff wins that's happened so far this year so i'm gonna take sacramento state to win that narrowly i really think it was a big deal for Sac to get that first playoff win hill's got the monkey off his back so he's got the three big sky championships but he also now has a first
0: playoff win so i'm gonna go the hornets i'm gonna go with the hornets as well uh for a completely different reason um incarnate word just lost their head coach I think he is going to finish the season. I think I remember reading that somewhere. But GJ Kinney has left, so this is second year in a row that their head coach has has left the program. Like you said, Sac State looked good against Richmond. That's a very good win. I I know Incarnate Word can score. I don't know if they can stop Sac State's defense. And again, I think it's a very it's a very good point to bring up. Your head coach has other things on his mind at the moment. Uh, as much as he might, if if he is still coaching uh, the team, uh, I should have done more research into that. Even if he is one hundred percent, I'm coaching this until we're we're done. He's got his head elsewhere. Like you can't not; it's human nature. You're going to be thinking about what's coming for you in the future. Well, as, I do far, want as, to... the peop- as far as the people he leads too, they know
1: he's gone. Uh, yeah. Like a few years ago, uh, James Madison lost early in the playoffs after his announced Kurt Signetti was leaving for I think Central like one of the Carolina schools or East Carolina. Uh, that's not shocking to have a team that's very good, been consistent throughout the season. You learn that there's going to be personnel change like that. And you referenced it affecting the coach,
0: correct? It affects the players too. Thanks for hurting me, Brian, by the way. I, I, I needed to hear Signetti. That's, that's a name that, Really resonates with me. Uh, Anybody that's not aware, uh, Kurt Signetti's brother, Frank, was the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator of the Rams during some of their worst times in history. Look where I I have that little bit of frustration with Scott Linehan. Frank Signetti is also tied into all of those. So thanks for bringing up that. The other game, William and Mary. Oh, we're going to correct this again, guys. Tubbs way late at night. Sac State 44, Incarnate Word 24 from Tom Kendall. He's the only person to project a score in our YouTube comments. Lastly, we get to number five, William and Mary versus number four, Montana State. So William and Mary had one of the easier matchups of the second round
1: uh, with Gardner-Webb. So, uh, and Montana... Shots fired at Cattrall-Haywood. No, I didn't, I didn't say William and... I didn't say Gardner-Webb was bad because of Catral haywood former Vandal. <laughs> I'd say it because they're Gardner-Webb. Uh, Montana State had one of the... if. If if um, Sacramento State had the best first second-round win, Montana State had the second-best second-round win beating a strong Weber State team. Montana State looks like a juggernaut, man. I, I really don't think that until Montana State plays either North Dakota State or South Dakota State, I just don't think there's any team physical enough in the field to handle what Montana State does offensively, even though they rush all the damn time. Mm-hmm. It, it's a diver – it's a fun – game to watch like this is not like triple option or, so, or something like that this is there's there is certainly misdirection within the offense they've got two two guys who can play quarterback who can also rush up pretty much as good as anyone that's going to be on the other side so uh, i don't think anyone's going to touch montana till the final four for sure so montana state
0: I mean, Mike London, the head coach at William and Mary, uh, is a guy with a bunch of FCFs or excuse me, FBS experience, coached six years at Virginia. Um, They made it to one single bowl game in that time, so it wasn't like it was phenomenal. Um, That was actually uh, Rob Akey played against uh, or coached against them in 2011. Uh, I was actually at the game on the field. Um, I lost that in overtime. It was a bunch of fun. Not Um, Mike London's got a bunch of experience, uh, won an FCS championship at Richmond in the, the late 2000s. But Brian, like you said, Montana State is a wagon. They are going to run over William and Mary. They're going to run into South Dakota State next week. A hot take: South Dakota State handles Holy Cross, and it's sac- It's South Dakota State versus Montana State in the semifinals next week. That's that's what I'm seeing uh, in the comment section. Jason Mayer, forty-eight twenty-one MSU. Steve Kurtz, twenty-four twenty-one MSU. Tom Candle, thirty-eight seventeen MSU. Pretty much everybody's saying, "Hey, it's it's MSU," and then Steve Kurtz saying home field advantage for Sac. So, we might see two Big Sky teams in the Final Four, and if we do, we will bring you Big Sky Pick'em next week. Maybe who knows? I don't. I'm not going to promise that. But Brian, we're a minute, we're an hour and 25 minutes into this podcast. So, quick quick schedule update for you guys. You may listeners are probably
1: noticing we have not been talking Idaho basketball. Uh, that's on purpose. We really want to hit football coverage thoroughly, and then we'll make a transition to this being a basketball-centric show. We're just not there yet. Uh, Idaho men right now are on a three-game winning streak, so congrats! As like today, Idaho just beat uh, North Dakota in Moscow, seventy-six to sixty-six. So hey, we're we're not ignoring basketball. We're going to get there. We're just
0: choosing to make it kind of a big shift after the new year. Recording schedule is going to be. I gotta give Zach Kloss credit for that three-game win streak. You know, if you couldn't get better at your job, schedule a bunch of shittier schools so you look like you're doing better at your job.
1: And look, A plus work on that. We're we're gonna have the full basketball discussion after the new year, where we talk about out of conference, what it means, what it doesn't mean. We're just not there yet. Uh, next week, we're going to have a breakdown of the new coaches and the individual coaching hires in the big sky. Hey, uh, Paul Wolf has, also, has replaced Bill Baldwin at Cal Poly. That's the only thing we did not reference today. We're going to do a longer discussion about what that means relative to all the other you know, big sky schools, big sky hires. Uh, maybe there's some Idaho state news. That's the only place where there's just nothing coming out of there. Uh, mm-hmm. We may have a special guest to talk about uh, some King Spud related news for a brief time as well next week. After that, Martin, uh, the week of the 21st, is going to have his signing day special, which is a show that producers, the producer seducer himself, he's got the wheel for. So we'll be along the ride to support him. But Martin puts a shit ton of time into tracking recruits and knowing what the upcoming class projects to be. That's going to be Martin's thing in a couple weeks. After that, we're going to take a couple weeks off for Christmas, New Year uh listen to all the old episodes keep our view counts up guys please but that's the direction we're gonna go uh I will uh full disclosure be taking the wheel for the basketball discussions as in Dallas willingly uh passed the wheel back to me for mm-hmm. uh, the basketball discussion so that's gonna change and we're look we're not we're not avoiding basketball it's just football kick well, ass Football was, well, no, we're not like purposely avoiding Dallas. It's Football is more newsworthy. So we stuck with the stuff that's more newsworthy. We'll we'll enunciate that
0: further. I'm just saying, speak for yourself. You might not be avoiding basketball, but I might be avoiding basketball.
1: Okay. You are correct. As a group, as a show, as an entity, Tubbs at the Club has chosen to prioritize what was newsworthy, which was football season. We'll get to basketball when it becomes newsworthy. So that's the upcoming schedule. We'll see you guys next week for Big Sky Coaching Talk, like I said, and you know, uh, some King Spud special. We actually have real King Spud news, not just, hey, buy the Nick Davis shit. Uh, until then, guys, thanks for being along for the ride. This has been a kick-ass season. Uh, we're going to keep giving you football updates as they come, but we're entering the time of the year where those things are kind of sporadic. So football updates will come to you as they come to us. Until then, man, thanks for joining. Uh, thanks to all the patrons who are helping us keep the lights on. Hashtag uh, only tubs patreon.com backslash tubs the club. Until next time, go
0: vandals. Yeah. So Brian, speaking about the Patreon and speaking about Martin's recruiting episode that is coming up soon. If anybody is super into recruiting, it's not something that Brian and I have, I think, ever historically been super into. So it's not, it's not something I think to be like, hey guys tubs at the club is your one-stop shop for recruiting. If you are interested in Vandal recruiting, Martin has a dedicated football recruiting and basketball recruiting and women's basketball recruiting channel. For, there's a recruiting channel for each of the three major sports. Martin is a Twitter fiend and somehow finds like every single person that gets offered. He's able to guess people before the, you know, when, when the coaches tweet something cryptic, like time to wake up Vandals in Cali, Martin will just, Tweet out of the blue or post out of the blue. It's going to be this kid. And then sure as shit, 12 hours later, the kid posts committed to Idaho and all his Idaho. I have no idea how he does it. If you're interested in recruiting, you need to be part of our Patreon. Patreon.com backslash tubs of the club. Again, thank you for those of you that are there keeping our lights on. If you're interested, again, patreon.com backslash tubs of the club. You can hang out and talk to us. You can hang out and talk to other people that aren't as annoying as us. You can just hang out and and talk to a bunch of Vandals. Well, Brian's nodding his head because he's not annoying. I'm the annoying one. I know that. Go Vandals. Go
1: Vandals. This is producer Brian doing a terrible job of even finding what we're going to play us out with. So I'm just going, we're just going to call it good. See you guys Tuesday.